Welcome into a News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. The Jaguars are getting set to take the field at the bank this weekend to take on the New York Giants. The Giants are 5-1, riding a three-game winning streak coming in here to Jacksonville while the Jaguars are on a three-game losing streak. So kind of some opposite ends of the spectrum for the season so far, Justin, hitting the field on Sunday. It's it's been so disappointing. And um, again, I I said it last week, I think Jacksonville was not as good as what we saw in that 2-1 start. And they're not as bad as what we've seen in this three-game losing streak. They have been, it sounds like being a dead horse, but they have been in every single game. They really should be, you know, five and one at worst, six and zero at best in this season. I don't think they have played nearly as bad. I know it's frustrating for fans. It's frustrating for you know to 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 be writing stories and say, hey, they're, they're so close. They another loss, another find a way to lose game, but. They are so much better than they were a year ago. So much, oh, it's not, yeah. so much better than they were a year ago. And I think fans need to kind of keep that in the back of their mind. Hey, look how bad they were last year. Look how they had no idea how to play last year, how to win games. They were getting blown out week after week. Compartmentalize and, some of those expectations. Yeah, exactly. And I think when you look at that, had you told me or a, just a general fan after six weeks of the season, Jacksonville would be 2-4. and four. I think a lot of fans would have probably taken that. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of fans would have. Again, during the offseason, I've said this a couple of weeks in a row, during the offseason, fans just kept telling me, I want the team to be competitive in the fourth quarter. They're competitive in the yes, fourth quarter. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of the parallels between this Giants team and the Jaguars team, the Giants probably aren't as good as their record, and the Jaguars are probably better than their record. And that's what yeah, and the national the national narrative on the Giants is they suck. They're, they're, they're terrible. They're terrible. But they're 5-1. They're 5 they and continue one. to win. Because basically, they're what the Jaguars wanted to be. They're, they got a young quarterback who's playing within the system, not turning the football over. They are relying on their superstar running back in Saquon Barkley. The Jaguars don't have the superstar running back, maybe yet. But they have a bunch of young players, and they've been able to win young or, or win close games because a young player steps up and makes a play in crunch time, while the Jaguars have been folding every week in crunch time. Trevor Lawrence has been turnover-prone in the games that they've lost, except for last week mm-hmm. against the Colts. So... It, there, there's some parallels between these two teams. A coach in the first year leading a program in both of them. So these two teams, they're, they're, there's a difference there, but the Giants have just had the ball bounce their way. The Ravens don't make those sorts of mistakes every week. It, it, they're saying the same thing that the Jaguars have said about all their losses. The Ravens are saying, well, we beat ourselves last week. And the Jaguars have said that in every one of their losses mm-hmm. because it's factual. I mean, there's little stuff that the Jaguars have done where you go back and you look at it and you're like, what are you doing? And they, now they look at it, and it's, it's a different mistake every week. Last it's, week, the Colts just killed them with crossers, and they thought they had the solution, but they didn't have the solution. It, it, we, you know, we saw last week what we've not seen before out of Trevor Lawrence, the ability to go and, and yes. take the team down the field in crunch time. I mean, every opportunity he's had for that in his career, it's been a fail outside of the Dolphins game last year where he led him to a field goal, the winning field goal, which was great. It was, again, it was a tie game at that time. It wasn't a make or break, you know, you've got to lead your team, come from behind kind of game. He came in and delivered a, a victory. Granted, broke a losing streak, and it was a great throw to LaVisca to get down and give Matthew Wright that chance to kick it. But we have seen Trevor fail and just implode in these situations. Last week, the positive I took from that game is he finally showed up when the game was on the line. The defense couldn't, uh, could not hold that game out and finish it strong. But Trevor, what I want to see from Trevor is that continued growth, like he showed last week. Again, a very quiet 
20 of 22 game, maybe the, the quietest 20 of 22 passing game in NFL Very history. quiet, not a lot of yards, <laughs> not a gaudy stat number, but kind of got the job done when he needed to. The rushing game was really uh, yes. what was there. The big run from Jamichael, Travis Etienne's kind of coming out party, even though he got tracked down. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of things that you can like and take from last week, even though it didn't end the way you wanted. Um, kind of the, the scapegoat for last week or one of the players that kind of cost them the game, Shaquille Griffin, not going to be on the field this week. Shaquille Griffin and Jamal Agnew are both ruled out for Sunday's game. So with Griffin out, that means Trey Herndon will slide into the starting lineup with Darius Williams on the and, outside. And we, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled on it because that might be a permanent switch depending on how Herndon didn't, plays. Didn't we talk about this last week on we the did. pod is – you know, if you're going to move Shaquille Griffin out of that role, who were you putting in there? There's not that guy waiting in the wings no. to do it. But we said, hey, maybe kick the tires on Trey Herndon at that spot again. Maybe Buster Brown. You know, maybe you kick. And that, that's the interesting. And that's what we're going to see this week. That we're going to see Herndon. He'll get the first crack at it um, in the slot with Williams on the outside. If Herndon plays up to par, Shaq may not get back on the field. He's dealing with a back injury. There seems to be some conflicting timelines of when the injury happened. Um, but it, we'll see just how long it takes for him to get back, how he responds when he gets back, how Trey plays on Sunday, and who knows? It, it may be a situation of maybe Trey struggles, but they do like what they've seen from Monteric Brown on mm -hmm. the practice field, so maybe Buster goes to the outside because we haven't seen him play in the slot. Mm -hmm. So maybe that they really like Darius in the slot. You move Darius back there and you let Buster go on the outside. There, there are some options that the team – has some flexibility. The only thing is none of them are proven, but at this point, neither is Shaq. Right. So what do you do? You're kind of hamstrung either way you go on any decision is a question mark, but this week, Trey Herndon gets the first crack at it. So I'm not as, as bad on that situation. I know some people uh, would say, hey, you lose your starting cornerback. You know, even Shaq's had a, a bad time, but I think this is a great opportunity for Trey Herndon to see what he's got. This is not Aaron Rodgers they're facing. Right. Uh, this is Daniel Jones, who's not been a, a really an overwhelming passer at quarterback. He's this not going to... This is the perfect This week. is the perfect opportunity for Trey Herndon. You're going to get a steady dose of Saquon Barkley. You're going to see a lot of, uh, run, you know, hopefully some performance at the defensive line, um, but you're not going to see a, probably a 350-yard game, 380-yard game like Matt Ryan did um, out of Daniel Jones. Now, last week I called Matt Ryan a game manager, and he goes out and throws for uh, nearly 400 yards. So. Well, 100 of those came against Shaquille <laughs> Griffin. Griffin. Yeah, of course. So I think this is a good game, a good quarterback um, opportunity for, for Trey Herndon and Darius Williams, too moving to the outside. He's a normal uh, inside guy, so a good opportunity for those Jaguars defensive backs, um, you know, to maybe get some confidence in a new role, see what Trey Herndon's got. Can he be that potential Shaq Griffin replacement? We've seen him before, has not been that guy, but maybe this is his uh, re-coming out party. Trey's just a cornerback. Just a guy. He, he's just a guy. I mean, he, he's always in position to make the tackle after the guy makes the catch. I mean, that's just who he is, how he's played. I mean, he's a cornerback that's going to have way too many tackles. You know, and hey, maybe that means he's not giving up the big play, which is fine. We'll see uh, just how it goes. I'm not here advocating for Shaq because after rewatching last week's game, there were definitely some, some huge mistakes on his part. But I also question how the coaches let him make those mistakes and didn't either A, get on him, or B, pull him off the field. Whatever it is, regardless, it, 
Trey's getting the first crack at this job right now. And, and I think and that's the right. it's up to him to go out there and make some plays. I think that's it. the right call. I think that's the right call. We, again, we talked about it last week pretty much in depth on who was in this roster. I know fans are clamoring for a change. But who on this roster would you feel there's no proof. comfortable? And there's, there's nobody. nobody. There's nobody you can feel comfortable with on this roster 100% saying, oh, I can bench him and put them in the lineup. There's not a soul. Trey Herndon is a veteran guy. He's been around. He's done it. But he's been exposed. Uh, Chris Claybrooks, a veteran guy, been there, done it, been exposed. Buster Brown is a seventh-round pick who people thought was a long shot to make the roster. He's made the roster at this point, but has he gotten a chance to play? Mm -hmm. No. Are you willing to put a rookie that, you know, led the SEC in interceptions last year out there on the field? Eh, I mean, maybe. I mean, the SEC is pretty good football, but how confident can you feel in the guy that, you know, everybody passed on? Could he be a gym? Yes. But do we know until he plays? Right. We have no idea. There's kick- not a guy. And if you go back and look at the completion percentages on their career, realistically, your two best options are Trey Herndon and Shaquille Griffin, and the completion percentages they've given up at the cornerback spot are comparable. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're getting much of an upgrade with one or the other. And that's what I was saying when I was saying, you know, just you don't have that guy, don't replace Shaq, is because why would you pull him when – Trey ain't much better over the life of his career. The guys are the same. And the contract, Shaq getting paid, whatever Shaq gets paid, doesn't matter right now. Right. Like, what's on the roster is what's on the roster. So, Trey will get a crack at it. If Trey goes out there and plays, does Shaq get back on the field? Probably not. Um, ultimately, it's Trey's job to lose at this point. If he goes out there and stunts, get a pick or two, right. I mean, it's over with. That's his gig. And him and Darius are going to roll with it. Um, because you got Tyson who's locking down one side to where if you really just feel uncomfortable maybe in a couple of weeks going against the Devontae Adams, maybe they let Tyson try and travel. I don't know that Tyson's necessarily had that kind of test yet either, but I like it'll Tyson, be interesting though. I, to see. I mean, he's been one of the highest graded guys by yes. PFF. Um, I, I like the ceiling on Tyson. I never would have thought uh, through six games last year I would have been saying that right now. He right. looked terrible last year uh, through that first uh about sliced quarter of the season, and he turned it on. And I, I like Tyson Campbell. I don't like Shaq Griffin in 2023 opposite Tyson Campbell. I do think cornerback, uh, you know, number one B cornerback next year is a priority along with a big-time receiver. Uh, I think you've got to address that cornerback spot. And I think now is a good time to see if that guy is on your roster. Is it Trey Herndon? Um, is it Buster Brown? They liked him. Um, in the draft, again, long shot, made the roster. See what he's got. You know, I think this is a great week to see. Again, this is not Aaron Rodgers. This is not Matt Ryan, um, Patrick Mahomes. This is a, a, a beatable quarterback in Daniel Jones, and I think smoke and mirrors have uh, have been key to this Giants 5-1 and one start. Yeah, conveniently, uh, if you're looking ahead to next season, you're going to lose veteran players at that corner and wide receiver spot just for cap reasons and contract reasons. They, the, the Marvin's not staying and Shaq's not coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, you will need. You'll have. To, you there is. They will have no choice but to upgrade those positions going into next year. Because if you lose Marvin and Stan Pat with the hand you got, 
you're asking to lose games. Yeah, and if I agree. you lose Shaq and Stan Pat, unless Buster Brown takes this job at the end of the season, if you lose Shaq and roll into next year with what you got, you're asking to lose football Absolutely. games. 100%. So I think they will be forced to make some upgrades over the offseason. I think corner is uh, right there, priority with the receiver next yes. year. Got to be. Yes. So they'll, they'll, they'll be forced to make some moves. Won't have a ton of money to do it, but forced to make some moves. Um, I guess back to this week. So the Giants, obviously the key is going to be slowing down Saquon Barkley. Barkley has looked like the, one of the best running backs in the league so far this yep. year. Finally healthy. Um, and you know the Jaguars getting a big lift this week. It looks like Foley Fatukasi is going to be up for this game. Um, he's listed as questionable, practiced most of the week. Um, he's missed the past few. He is their best run stuffer. So getting him back on the field is huge Imperative. for this defense. And especially with, with Barkley coming to town, he has been the, the heart and soul of that giant start. And, I mean, who would have thought that Foley Fatukasi – would have been so integral to the Jaguars' defense. He Whoa. has been a linchpin on that line in that run defense. They did it to themselves. They did it to themselves when they cut everybody. They kept two 300-pounders. Yeah, that's it. When that's... you kept Foley and Devon, you said, if an injury happens, I have to go to the street to find a big body. Instead of trying to get one on waivers or keeping one of the big guys you had, they went into the season – and essentially, I said the defense was built like they thought they were going to score a bunch of points mm -hmm. and be in pass rush sets. Because when you only have two 300-pound guys, I mean, you don't want to let a team be able to run downhill mm -hmm. on you all game because either A, one of those guys gets hurt, or B, those guys are tired and you don't have subs for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, Roy's been playing great. Adam Gostas has given them good minutes, but there is no substitution for being a huge body. Exactly. And <laughs> they, again, they've played well. They, uh, you know, Roy Robertson Harris has played well. Adam Gostas, he's been that dependable guy. But again, those are those are not 320 pound men. Right. You need that guy. You need that space eater on the defensive line. And I, mean, I think we'll it was great when you know in 2017 Jaguars added Marcel Darius. Right. And it was such an important acquisition for that team. The run defense was getting hammered week after week. They added that big body in the middle, and that was a big testament to that defensive, you know, to that defense, what that allowed them to do. It freed up Yannick Ngakwe. It, mm -hmm. it freed up that secondary to, I mean, that secondary was larcenous that year with as many picks as they had. And that started with that defensive line, and this year they were so thin at that position and you saw what they were capable of with him in the lineup and healthy. They were a very strong defense. The sacks flowed, mm -hmm. the interceptions flowed, and that's that has been a significant loss for them, not having a healthy 300-pound, 320-pound Foley Fadakasi in there. He needs to be there. He's a guy who can eat up a couple of blocks, eat chain, or clog up running lanes. While they were able to bring in Corey Peters, who's a big body, he's not the type of player that Foley is. And I think we'd see the same sort of drop-off from this defensive line group if something happened to Devon Hamilton. They just don't have depth up front yep. at that big body type where they can afford to lose one of those guys. If Devon goes down, then all of a sudden Foley's filling his role, then you need somebody to fill Foley's role. And then you're still down to one 300-pounder mm -hmm. on that line. Um, so... Again, you know, sizes and everything, but you have to have these guys whose forte can hang in there and clog up these running lanes and move people around, stack offensive linemen so Foyer and Devin Lloyd have creases that they can shoot through to make mm -hmm. plays in the backfield. So while Foley, Foley's never going to fill the stat sheet. He's never going to be a big stat guy, probably not a big tackle for loss guy. Most fans that are just casual – 
if you're listening to this, you probably won't really notice when Foley's on the field. Mm-hmm. But you're going to notice the other players exactly. making plays, and they know you Foley know, set him up. Exactly. The, the change up. of direction of the running back when he's not going to run straight into a 320-pound guy in the line, right. and he bumps out, and he kicks out, and he has to be confronted by Trayvon Walker or something. That's the the play you need, the dirty kind of work there. And that's what he has been so good at mm-hmm. is changing those running lanes and, and chipping a running back and kicking him out to Trayvon Walker or Josh Allen or eating up a uh, an offensive lineman so Josh Allen can get in there and uh, bring down the quarterback. So that has been a huge loss to not have that that dirty kind of grunt work player in Foley Fatakasi. And hopefully this week he gets back to healthy and hopefully they learn something on not being so limited at that defensive tackle position. You see what a big body means to this defense, and it is uh, game-changing to have that body in there. You can see that this is like the first year of a coaching staff putting their their touches on the roster. Doug doesn't necessarily have the types of players he likes on offense yet. Mike Caldwell doesn't have the types of guys he likes all the way across the defense. I think this offseason, probably in the draft, they'll add a big body somewhere Mm -hmm. to get some depth along that line. They're not going to do that for a second year in a row. Um, so the key for the defense, obviously, slow down Saquon. I think everybody can agree right. with that. And if you put the ball and all the pressure on Daniel Jones to go win the game, you hope that you can get some turnovers and he becomes the Daniel Jones that we've seen right. before and that, that mistakes happen the defense can step up. On the other side of the ball on offense, the Giants like to blitz a lot. This is going to be a kind of different kind of defense. Trevor and this Jaguars offense haven't dealt with a whole lot of blitzing kind of teams. It, partially because they've already played the Texans and the Colts twice, and neither one or the Colts twice, but the Texans once, and neither one of those in all those three games, neither one of those teams really blitzes. So you haven't seen a whole lot of pass rush set, sets. So this is going to be a little bit of a different look for Trevor Lawrence. They're going to have to be able to deal with some of the pressure and things like that, which. And historically, Trevor has been able to deal with blitzing when teams have done it to mm-hmm. him. And the Giants are definitely going to send some folks at him. Yeah, and, and he did. He he did. He struggled when the Texans didn't blitz him. Right. So that, you know they that's blitzed a him one time. Kind of patience, though. Right. Like with this week, if again, I'm a fantasy football player. I look at this and I say, <laughs> I I want Travis Etienne on my roster because I think this is going to be a big week for him because when they're blitzing, that means someone either you're probably playing some man coverage on the back and they could be playing zone, but somebody's left available. Mm-hmm. And when the pressure's coming, the check down got to be there. And this is that's one thing that we've been yelling for Trevor to do for weeks now is take and the he quick sh- throw. He showed a little bit of that last a, week. A little bit, but a little he passed bit up on him a few too many times too. I mean, there was a third down. It was the one before the sweet speed option where ETN's open in the flat to the left. He passes up on it, and we end up on fourth down where they run the speed option. And it don't happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- he got to get a little bit better of knowing where your hot read is and knowing to go to it quickly. Like trust it, boom, put the ball in this guy's hands. This is Travis's. This is James's. This is Jamichael's job to be able to, if. If you got a running back on this roster who one-on-one in the open field can't make a guy miss, he don't need to be on the team. Yeah, and Travis still <laughs> waiting for that first touchdown, first career touchdown. And Here's he's going to break one of these. What ETN scores a touchdown at the bank first, Travis or Trevor? <laughs> I mean, basically, That's this, a good is, one. this is Travis's chance because Trevor's going to play in the Florida-Georgia game at TIA Bank Field next week. And... Who knows? Maybe he scores a touchdown. The 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 wrong ETN brother yeah, finds and, the end zone at the bank. And how how uh, badly will that bother Travis if uh, his younger brother scores a touchdown in Jacksonville? I don't know. I'll and have that's to ask State. him. I'll, 
I'll, I'll have to ask him about that one. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, seriously, I, I think this is a good, this could be a big opportunity for Travis Etienne because if they start playing man coverage on the, on the back end, who's going to cover Travis? Mm-hmm. I mean, linebacker's not. Most safeties don't want to run with him either. So Travis is fast. His hand, he just has to make sure he catches the opportunities. This is also should be a big game for Christian Kirk. He knows that if he gets that one-on-one coverage, he's got to be there. But I default to Travis because typically when that pressure's coming, the hot read tends to be a running back or mm-hmm. leaking out of the backfield. So if Travis isn't kept in there to block, Trevor has to know, get this guy the ball, let him get some space, and let's chew it up. Even if it's just a three-yard gain and he gets tackled by that guy, that's fine. That's three yards. And you so, know, I think that goes, with again, with Trevor's maturity he said two weeks ago I've got to learn to to check it down I've got to learn not to force it you know yes. a, a, a throw of the ball away or two yard gains better than a seven yard loss and I think we saw incrementally that last week a, a portion of that the, the you know the transition into thinking about those outlets and the check down passes um, that's why you saw those 20 of 22 passing last week for mm-hmm. buck 85 not overwhelming you think you complete 20 balls uh, they're going for more than a buck eighty, um, but I think you see Trevor starting to pick that up a little bit more, looking for that that the safety valve uh, in the flat. And again, you, you get I, I take my chances on Trevor throwing a long ball and then Trevor throwing a, a six yard pass to Travis Etienne in the flat. I'm going to take that six yarder to Travis every single time, every they, single time. They don't have that long ball receiver. They they just don't. Like, can Christian Kirk win down the field? Sure. But is he an eight target at 20 yards kind of depth kind of receiver? No, no not he's at all. Not. So if they need, they need him to have volumes, which means they have to keep him short more times than not. And Zay Jones, it, Zay Jones is a solid receiver, but he's also not a high volume deep ball kind of receiver. They don't have that guy that can win consistently mm-hmm. down the field for him to be able to take a lot of those shots. If they get that guy, it ain't going to be till the offseason. Yeah, exactly. I know a lot of people are holding out hope for like a DJ Moore and Elijah not, Moore. Not happening. I just don't see it They've happening. They've never shown a penchant at the deadline or even during, you know, even leading up to it to, to make that big deal. Again, if this they were... This isn't a team ready to compete right now. Exactly. And they're not going to be willing to mortgage the future, which means trading high draft picks for a player like that. Elijah Moore wouldn't come cheap if he was if he, they were going to trade for him. DJ Moore wouldn't come cheap if they were going to trade for him. Even Brian Burns would not come cheap. They're not I can guarantee you Trent Baalke ain't trading a second or a third round pick. If he was going to send something, it's probably fifth round and down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that he'd want to do that. So I don't think, I, I can almost guarantee you it ain't happening. They ain't coming to Jacksonville. Um, not unless he gets overruled or somebody's just trying to give a guy away. Like like a Cam Akers, how ba- if the Jaguars had a need at running back, I don't know how bad the Rams want him out. I could see him tossing them a sixth-round pick for a guy. But he ain't trading nothing early. Yeah. He's just not going to do and it. And I don't think you – I don't think you're – if you're Jacksonville – okay, if you're 5-1 if you're and one at this point – AFC South lead, okay. There you go. Then you maybe think a little differently. Maybe fortify that team right now. Because then maybe you're ahead. You think you're ahead, ahead of schedule. schedule. Right. But right now you look like you're on schedule. Right. And if you're on schedule, you don't go ahead and mortgage the future for something that could get, be a temporary fix. Because essentially all of these guys would look like rentals. I mean, DJ Moore's already on a pretty decent sized contract. If they were going to go and get him. All these guys are rentals. The Jaguars don't have a ton of cap space to work with right now anyway. They don't have a ton of cap space for this offseason already. So anybody holding out hope, you just keep holding out hope. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, if it happens, it's like a 2% chance. Yeah, and the, you know, the happen. Jaguars did this, wind the clock back all the way back to, I believe, 99. 
uh, when they played in the AFC Championship game. They were 14-2 and two in the regular season. The only two losses was to uh, those darn Tennessee Titans, and they mortgaged their future by going all in on that 99 team. They signed mm-hmm. Carnell Lake. They signed everybody that year, and the bill came due in 2000, and they were purging people right and left. They were there. You they were at that point of contending for a Super Bowl berth. Didn't get there, but the bill came due. And I don't. You'll think never Trent, see Trent Bulky do that. I don't That's think you're going to see that He is a penny pincher to the word. He is always going to be having some sort of future focused. Um, I don't think you'll see him be a big spender this offseason. There's going to be no splash kind of moves unless it's the draft. Um, he'll bring some free agents in. He ain't making none of these trades. It's just not going to happen. And I, mean, I, I think I don't, you've seen him move guys, and it's for a sixth-round pick. Like, uh, you know, fans were clamoring for maybe him to cut Caleb on Chase on because he was a first-round pick, and he's like, he's a solid depth guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, which he is. There's nothing wrong with what Chase on gives you. The only reason fans are upset is because he's a first-round right. pick. Trent's not looking at it like that. He's like, well, I didn't spend the first-round pick on him. I can't get the first-round pick back if I cut him. Right. So, like, some GMs get caught up in that. That ain't Trent. Trent is, this is what it is. Sunk costs are sunk costs. It's in the past. You know, we can only fix what we got going forward, and I'm not going to give away what I have going forward to try and do something right now unless I feel really good. Like, if they were, if we felt like this team was one wide receiver away, like the defense was knockout lights out, Trevor was out there dealing, and everybody just looked at it and said, man, this guy just, Christian Kirk's a number two, and they just need DJ Moore, and that takes him over the top. Then I right. could see Trent maybe going out there and trying to not, deal and get it. It's but even that. then, I'd say I don't think that that's just not his history. He doesn't have the history of being that aggressive guy. He'll take some reaches and swings for the fences in the draft all day long. If a guy has an ACL tear and you think he could be a guy and he thinks there's value there, he will draft him. Mm-hmm. Look at Walker Little. He did it back in San Francisco with guys like Marcus Lattimore. Um, there was another guy in San Francisco he did too that didn't pan out. But that, he did it multiple times in San Fran. He's already done it here with Walker Little. He did it with Andre Sisco. I mean, Trayvon Walker's a swing for the fences. He will swing for the fence in the draft. This dude will, if there's potential, mm-hmm. oh, he's going to the potential. He's not going conservative. And you know what? I don't blame him for that because why take the guy with, with your high pick that you know is going to be at best, like, average? Swing for the fence. Mm-hmm. So that's who he is. That's what you're going to get. He ain't going out here and being the wheeling and dealing trade dude that's going to go, you know, turn you some, like, head turn and trade. He, that's just not, not Yeah, and, and I don't think him. right now they're in that position to do it. I think next year, trade deadline, if you're a missing P short, you know, this is presumptively that next year. I think next year is going to be the year, third year of Trevor. you got second year of the, the offensive staff, defensive staff in place. I think next year is that is that big step forward. So if you're sitting five and one, you look at that receiver position. You look at that cornerback position. If those are positions, maybe you take a flyer at the at the trade deadline and and move a second rounder for a player that you think could help you win that division title or get to the uh, AFC Championship game. But I just don't think right now. I think you address that in free agency. I think you address that in the NFL draft next year. I think if if I'm in, in agreement with you, if they make a move, it's going to be for a a depth kind of guy for a sixth or seventh round pick. I don't think they're. They're they're swinging for uh, yeah. you know a Devonte Adams, no. uh, DJ Moore kind of guy. He's not going to make that deal. If they were if there was a Jets wide receiver that made sense, Denzel Mims. Right. Yeah. He's disgruntled. They're not playing him. Basically, hasn't been active. I could see them dealing him for a sixth or seventh round pick if they wanted to. 
if they were willing to listen and take a sixth or seventh, I could see Trent making that call and making that deal, if they were willing to. But outside of that, you ain't getting Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is going to cost you a first or second if they were willing to move him. Dude's good. He'd mm-hmm. come here and probably be competing with Christian Kirk for your number one wide receiver, hands down. But Trent also passed on him for Tyson. So maybe Trent's not as high on him as a lot of people are. I don't know. But just don't expect it. Hold out hope if you want. But I'm just I'm going to tell you, just uh, lower those expectations just a tad. All right, back to the present, though. Uh, there's a big game on Sunday. The Jaguars cannot afford to go to a four-game losing streak. Justin, do you think they can pull out the win? I keep saying, I keep picking them every week to win, <laughs> and they've they've hosed me. I'm one in five. I'm I'm the worst among the sports staff in in the predictions. Uh, terrible season picks for me. But hey, you know, sunk cost is sunk cost. I'm sticking with the Jaguars this week. I'm sticking with them. Um, I'm going out and uh, and and going down with the ship. So I will say the Jaguars win this game. I think the true Giants come to play this week. I think they harass Daniel Jones. Um, they, Saquon Barkley has a big game, but I think they, uh, they invest in stopping Daniel Jones. I think the Jaguars win 23-21. All right, I'm, I'm right there with you. We're going to ride it down together. Um, I picked the Jaguars again this week. I think Vegas has it. Vegas has the Jaguars favored by three and a half. The line started at three, so they increased it. So they must be feeling pretty good. I'm not impressed by this Giants team. I think they've used gimmicks and motion to throw people off. I think the Jaguars will be be ready for it. The coaching staff is experienced. They know what they're looking for. Um, Daniel Jones doesn't impress me. I think you slow down Saquon, hold him the same way the Ravens did last week. If you can hold Saquon to under 60 yards rushing, Put, the, put all the pressure on Daniel Jones to beat you. He ain't going to do it. That's what I, I say, he, Daniel not, Jones. Sell out to it. stop Daniel Jones. Yeah, So uh, and they don't, they don't have the wide receivers to, to really threaten your secondary like that. Uh, give me the Jaguars, and I'm not sure. I'm going to give them a little bit of space in this one. I say 28-13. Oh, man. So um, I, think, I think the Jaguars are going to go out there and do it. I think uh, Travis Etienne is my guy to have a big day for the Jaguars offense. And give me Daniel Jones and two picks. Wow. That, that, look, there you go. I'll, I'll, I'll go that far. All right, that'll do it for our News for Jacks podcast. Again, you can find all of these podcasts wherever you get them or over on newsforjacks.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.